This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Grace for another week. We really pray that you'll be blessed today. My name's Lynette and I'm joined by my husband. Dennis. I'm Dennis and it's great to be with you. Yes, so here at Amazing Grace we really do appreciate your feedback. So I'll give you some more info about that a bit later. And we also have some free giveaways but I'll tell you about that a bit later too. So, for now, let's start with some uh, thoughts from the Bible, a a short devotion, and um, I'm reading from Psalms, and uh, from Psalms 37, and starting at verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, do not fret because of him or who who prospers in their way because of the man or woman who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And I've had um, someone close to me this week who has been so stressed and um, concerned, let's say, putting it mildly, about a situation in her life that um, she sent me a message on Sunday saying that she's now quite sick because of all the anxiety. So it reminded me of a a small message that a friend sent me on Messenger and this is an electrocardiogram of um, the heart rate when a person is angry and when they show appreciation. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to describe it because we can't send a picture over the earwaves, can we? So um, the one with anger, negative emotion and the heart rate variability. So it's got all these jagged lines but going up and down and in, in no no um, rhythm at all to it and how anger affects our heart. And um, then the other one, um, the reading when a person is uh, filled with um, positive emotions and the heart rate variability, it's very regular. So the, the heart rate is is up and down, but it's... Um, it's a very regular pattern, zigzag up and down, up and down, and very, very regular, the heart rate. So, yeah, just how it affects our heart. And thinking of um, patience, we normally 
Um, we are normally impatient about things that we really want or have been promised but don't have yet. We're often satisfied only when we get what we are longing for. And because we rarely get what we want when we want it, it means that we're often doomed to irritation and impatience. And when we're in and when we are in this state, it's almost impossible to maintain peace and trust in God. Waiting is painful by definition, and it's interesting. In the Hebrew, Hebrew language, one of the words for wait, patiently, which is from the verse that I read, um, the first verse, Psalms 37, 7, comes from a Hebrew word that can be translated to be much pained, to shake, to tremble, to be wounded, to be sorrowful. Learning patience is not easy, and sometimes it's the very essence of what it means to be in a crucible. And a crucible is what is used when gold is being refined. So there's fire underneath and there's gold in the crucible. It's being refined. And yeah, so I'm sure that all of us at some time or other feel like we're in a crucible, but God is there with us. And um, this verse, these verses that I read, um, are saying to us, wait on God, wait on him, and it will lead us to courage from him and to him strengthening our hearts in difficult situations. So let's wait on him, spend quality time with him and stay in close connection with God who alone can get us through the hard times. Now we're going to have a song and this song is, let me have a look, see, Make the Angels Dance by Julie Miller and I challenge you to listen very closely to where you heard heard the hear the word grace. I think it's in the last verse and uh, yeah, good message in this song.
You're listening to Amazing Grace, and we are now on to the health tips section of our broadcast. So we've been looking at this book, a tiny little book, but with some really good um, wisdom in it from Dr. Darren Morton, and it's called Live More Happy, and we're kind of getting close to the end of it, which is a shame. Um, The last... The last chapter that I read, Rest to Feel Your Best, is um, a really good uh, area for me. It's a real big need, and um, I think I need to go back and read that chapter at least myself. But yes, if you would like one of these books, you can uh, actually contact us, and we may be able to give you one for free. And I'll give you the details on how to a bit later. But we're up to chapter 9 and it's called Stress Less. Rest, de-stress. And Dr. Darren Morton says, When his brother and him were in their late teens, uh, they were offered a two-for-one deal to go bungee jumping. And he says, how could we turn down an offer like that? On the way to the venue, he said, their spirits were high and they bantered about who would go first, eventually agreeing that uh, Dr. Morton would have the honour. Arriving at the venue and looking up at the jump, he exclaimed, you can go first. (laughs) He changed his mind real quick. Soon, he says, I was sitting on a platform with a bungee operator attached to a crane that elevated us into the stratosphere, or so it seemed. As we ascended, the bungee operator strapped an oversized elastic band to my ankles and kept reiterating that the trick was not to look down. Eventually, we came to a stop. I want you to stand up and look up at the camera positioned out 
front of the jumping lead, she said. Then slowly shuffle in that direction until I tell you to stop. And remember, just don't look down. I followed all the instructions, um, Darren Morden says, except for the last one. As soon as I peered down, I froze in terror. It was a long way down. My stomach lurched and I could literally hear my heart pounding in my chest. My palms began sweating profusely and my mouth went dry. With wide eyes, I turned to the operator and said, I have made a big mistake. I can't do this. At this stage, the operator started to give me a rousing pep talk, which clearly he had done on many occasions before because he was very good at it. A few minutes later, he was giving me the big countdown. Three, two, one, bungee. I would like to say that I performed a magnificent swan dive off the platform, but it was later described as more like a chicken flap. (laughs) As gravity took over somewhat embarrassingly, I exhaled a pitiful squeal. It wasn't one of my finer moments, but fortunately my brother did no better. So that's um, Dr. Morton's experience of bungee jumping and he says in the moments before I leapt if you could call it that I was experiencing what is known as a stress response while the stress response isn't pleasant at the time it is designed to help us to face off threat and danger sorry to help us in the face of threat and danger throughout history the way we dealt with stress-inducing circumstances was to fight or to flight, and the stress response helps us do this. Our heart rate is increased to help deliver oxygen to our soon-to-be fighting or fleeing body, and we start sweating to dissipate the heat we will soon be producing. In animals, the stress response can also cause them to go to the bathroom in order to lighten their load before the action begins. Humans usually manage to hang on, but our gastrointestinal tract and bladder can feel the pinch. While the stress response is designed to help us in the moment, it is not helpful if it goes on too long. And this is where we come to a major problem. The doctor says many people today report high and ongoing levels of stress, more appropriately referred to as de-stress. And an Australian study found that more than one in three adults report having a significant level of distress in their life and it would be very similar wherever you are. In New Zealand, I'm sure it is very similar. So he says in the United States, four out of ten employees say they are typically, they typically feel stress or tense during the workday and stress costs more than 300 billion 
US dollars a year as a result of absenteeism, turnover, diminished productivity, and medical, legal, and insurance costs. People report many sources of stress, but the one but the big ones relate to personal finances, family issues and health concerns. Intriguingly, the Australian Psychological Society found that one of the top five sources of stress reported by 40% of people is trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle. In other words, we not only stress about things that are going wrong in our life, we also stress about things we might not be doing right. Stress and worry seem to come too easy to us. A fascinating research study has shown that while stress affects our health, it is worse for people who believe that stress is damaging. The takeaway message is that how we think about stress matters and stressing about being stressed makes it worse. Calm down, Limbo, calm down, he says. Stress clearly involves the part of our brain responsible for feelings. We say, I feel stressed. So we're talking about our Limbo again. So it is not surprising that stress, or more appropriately de-stress, distress, affects all the other functions of the Limbo that we've learned about in Chapter 1 of this book, Motivation memory and many automatic bodily processes are affected by this part of our brain, the limbic system. In chapter one, we considered the effect of stress on automatic bodily processes involving our heart, gut and immune system. And next week, we're going to look at how stress or distress affects our motivation and memory. So that's our health tip for today and now we have a uh, another song.
Um, great to be with you today. Um, we've been going through um, the book of Revelation. We're up to um, halfway through um, Revelation 11, but I just thought I'd like to share. Um, um, i got a little Bible here um, and I bought it quite a few years ago, and in the front I've written... Um, I've come across different things that really impress me, and I'll, I'll just read you some of them. So this is taken from a book on the life of Jesus, and it says, To know God is to love him. Yeah, the more we know God, um, the more we love him. Can't help but love him. It says, The more we know God, the more intense will be our joy and happiness, because that's what God made us for. He made us for joy and happiness. Um, and then I've got in the front here, um, Jeremiah 24-7. 24-7. A lot of shops in the world are open 24 um, hours and seven days a week. And this is the promise here. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. Isn't that a good promise? God will give us a heart to know him. And in Psalms 25-10, all, uh, all the Lord's ways are loving and true. Uh, Psalm 63 and verse 3, your love is better than life. And <clears throat> I've got written in here, I got it from somewhere, heaven is a world of love. Isn't that good? And then I, um, from another book on the um, uh, Sermon on the Mount, this is what I wrote down, know and believe the love that God has for us and you are secure that love is a fortress impregnable to all the delusions and assaults of Satan. Isn't that really good? Um, and Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, Prince of Preachers, they called him. He sure was. And um, he says in one of his sermons on the Song of Solomon, he who has had most of Christ's love has cried more, more. Man's, uh, this is from a book on the life of Christ, man's greatest happiness will be found in loving God. So that's what I've written. Some of those, there's some of the things that I've written in my Bible. Um, so it's, I find them helpful reading them every now and again. Um, <clears throat> there's just so much to learn about God. See, here's another one from that book on the life of Christ. Jesus came to the world to save all who would accept him. And then yet from the same book, Jesus cannot withdraw from the soul that clings to him. So aren't they um, wonderful, wonderful verses? And <clears throat> I... Um, the more I've learned about God, um, the more that um, I want to learn. Um, God is amazing. He's amazing. Um, <clears throat> so just a few thoughts before we get into the um, book of Revelation. And um, my wife said we're gonna, we need to have a break. So um, <clears throat> we, could, we could do that. We could have a break now, yep, and then um, get into the book of Revelation. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. 
Right, welcome um, back um, to um, Amazing Grace. Um, this is what we call the program. Now, we've been looking, we're going through the book of Revelation. A lot of people struggle with the book of Revelation. Um, it's, to be fair, it's full of symbols, full of symbols. And um, when you understand the symbols, then you can understand the message. Now, remember, I've said this many times that um, there's seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues. But the sixth church, the sixth seal, the sixth trumpet, the sixth plague, this is talking about the final crisis. And you can have a look. You read them and see. Now, we finished um, last time. We were up to about um, verse – we got up to verse 14. But I just want to read back a wee bit just to – if someone hasn't – or joined us for the first time. So this is the sixth trumpet, and chapter 10 is talking about uh, the final message to the world. It's going to be verse um, 6, no more delay. right? So it says in Matthew 24, verse 14, that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then the end will come. So this message that um, Jesus Christ died on a cross to save you, to save me. So <clears throat> God, he is not going to, um, he's not going to let anyone be lost who didn't have an opportunity to hear in some way. Some way says that God lightens everyone that comes into the world. God wants to save everyone. And uh, the saddest person in the universe will be God uh, when people are lost. It says in Hosea, how can I give you up? How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I give you up, Israel? So God gave himself up. Jesus Christ, who is God, who created everything, he gave himself up, went through all that punishment. I like the illustration. I was just telling some young people about this illustration. When America was forming, they had 13 colonies, if I remember right. And one of the colonies, there was a lot of um, pinching. And the governor brought in this law. Anyone caught um, stealing, um, they would get 40 lashes. So they were pretty cruel in those days, 40 lashes. The problem was the governor's mother was the first one caught and she was caught red-handed. So all the people were wondering, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to beat his mum, which seemed a bit harsh, or is he going to let her off? Now, the problem for him is if he let her off, people would make no notice of the law and you'd have more and more stealing or anarchy. And for him to beat his mother sounded rather harsh, didn't it? But the day came when he, or when his mother was tried, and she was clearly proven guilty. She was caught red-handed. So the people were looking at the governor. What's the governor going to do? Is he going to beat his mum or is he going to let her off? So what he did, which surprised everyone, he took off his shirt and he says, I'll take the 40 lashes. So he showed mercy um, to his mum and he upheld the law. 
Now, that's exactly what God has done. God has done that, right? So man rebelled against God. Uh, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They listened to the devil, and uh, this world became um, the playground for the devil, for the devil. And we became captives, and Jesus has come to set us free. And Jesus came, and he paid our penalty, he paid our penalty on Calvary for all the things that we've done wrong. And not only that, he is the only one who ever lived a perfect life. And it says in the Bible, for instance, in Romans 4, 11 times it says that his righteousness is put to our account. Right? It's either reckoned, put to our account, credited. Right, So God gives us his righteousness And then we're acceptable in his sight um, <clears throat> So God had to uphold the law Now the day is coming Like I said That this gospel of the kingdom Is going to be preached in all the world It's happening today my friends But there's going to come More intensity of this message Going around the world And we will explain it a bit more But in Chapter 10 and 11, which is the final crisis, is explaining this last message to the world and the witnesses, which are God's people. Now, I'll just read here verse 7, and it says, Now when, this is Revelation 11 verse 7 onwards, Now when they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Now, I think I explained that last time, but um, Jesus didn't die in Jerusalem. I mean, he didn't die in Sodom or Egypt. He died in Jerusalem. So that great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified, so Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, but the worst that humanity could do to God is to kill him. Right? And the great city is a picture of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. And Jerusalem had become like Sodom and Egypt uh, for its wickedness in killing God. So eventually the world will become like Sodom and Egypt. Egypt is a a picture of um, unbelief. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And Sodom is a picture of sexual perversion. Um, all kinds of sexual perversion. Um, so if you read in Ezekiel 18, it gives a list of all the um, the sexual perversions there. And then it says, when they had finished their testimony, the beasts, oh yeah, I read that, and it says, for three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, and language and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse to bury them. And then the, the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because of these two prophets had tormented them, uh, those who had lived on the earth. And then after three and a half days, the breath of God entered upon them, and they stood on their feet, and the terror struck those who saw them. And then 
they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while the enemies looked on. And at that very hour there was a severe earthquake and the tenth of the city collapsed and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and they gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past and the third woe is coming. Right, so it's it's a bit like the time in Noah. Noah preached for 120 years and then <clears throat> he came to the last day and he gave his final message. And everyone who went into the ark um, was saved. Everyone left outside was lost. So there's <clears throat> coming a time when people won't be able to cross from one side to another. Today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. We are to come to Christ today because you don't know if you have a tomorrow. And if you put it off today, it's easier to put it off um, every other day. So today is really important. So there's coming a time where the Bible says that um, privation will run out for this world. Run out. And um, we are going to talk about this a bit more when we get to Revelation chapter 14. You have um, in verses 6 to 12 the final message to the world. And then um, you have the harvest, the harvest, right? So in Revelation 22, I've just got to get there, 22 and verse 11, it says, Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong, and let him who is vile continue to be vile. And let him who does right continue to do right, and let him who is holy continue to do holy. So the day is coming when it's going to be too late to cross over from one side to the other. Now, there's quite a few verses in the Bible um, that talk about this. Now, for instance, in Amos, no, Joel, in Joel chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So there's coming a time where... It's going to be have to be a final decision, a final decision, and people can be saved. If they reject it, they will be lost. Now, I'm just going to read some other verses from Amos. Amos chapter 8, and this is verse 11 and 12, and this is talking about after probation closes. Like Noah's ark, the people went in, God shut the door, and there was a seven-day period before the rain started coming down. So it's what it's going to be like. There'll come a time when there's a final probation, and um, then the judgments are poured out. So this is what it says about that time. It says, Behold, the days are coming. This is Amos um, 8, verse 11 and 12, and it says, Behold, the days are coming says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the earth, not a famine of bread, 
nor of thirst or water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. So people will want to hear the um, the words of God because it talks about um, the seven last plagues, right? So people have been killing God's people and there's been a death decree. We will talk more about that. And God is going to slow them down in the destruction of God's people. So it says there, there'll be a famine for bread um, and there'll be thirst for water. But um, so there's going to be a famine. There will be there because it says in Revelation um, 7. But um, this is not a famine for hearing. This is not a famine for bread and water, but for hearing the word of Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking seeking the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. So let me read it again. Behold, the day is coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread, nor a thirst for water, See, it's not the important thing. But for hearing the word of the Lord, they will wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They will run to and fro, seeking um, the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. What a sad day that's going to be. And just pray that none of us will be in that group. Now, I'd like to have a um, break, so um, we're going to play a song. Now, what song are we going to play? It's a song by Julie Miller again, and it's, it's called Nobody But You. Nobody But God can really help. So here we go.
Right, it's um, great to be back. Um, Julie Miller, um, she's got some interesting songs. She's got an unusual voice, but um, some really, really nice songs. Now, I'm just going to read um, <clears throat> the few minutes I've got left. I just want to explain the rest of uh, Revelation 11. So the seven, this is verse 15, the seventh trumpet. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was there was a loud voice in heaven, and it said, see, this is after probation. The world has had its opportunity, and it's finished. And it says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders, and we've talked about them before, were seated on the on the thrones before God, and they fell on their face and they worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding the servants, the prophets." and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. And then it says, God's temple in heaven was open. And within this temple there was seen the Ark of the Covenant, and there was flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder and um, earthquake and a great hailstone. Now, This is talking um, about the rest of the book of Revelation. Now, for instance, you've got um, you've got some things here. Verse eighteen is the uh, summary verse. So it says the nations were angry, right? And then it says um, your wrath has come, and time to judge the dead and the time for rewarding the saints and destroying those who destroy the earth. So, the first one, the nations were angry. So, from Revelation 12, 17, um, to the end of 14, this is where we see the nations are angry. And um, <clears throat> Revelation twelve seventeen talks about a dragon uh, bringing its wrath on a woman. That's Jesus' followers. And then Revelation 13, you have the, um, a talk. Um, it talks about the final test of loyalty over worship. If Jesus' followers do not obey earthly powers, they will be destroyed. So Revelation 13 and 14. And then 15 and 16, your wrath has come. Revelation 15 introduces the seven last plagues, which are portrayed as the wrath of God. And then the, the next phrase is the time to judge the dead. And that's Revelation 20, especially verses 11 and um, 11 to 15. So in Revelation um, 20, verse 12, the dead stand before the great white throne and are judged. And the, um, the next one is the time for rewarding the saints. Revelation 21 and 22 shows us the new earth and the rewards. And what an amazing picture that we see in the Bible. It is a really amazing picture. Um, so there's some really good thoughts there. 
Um, and then the last one, destroy those who destroy the earth. So Revelation 19, um, verse 2. Let's have a look at that, eh? Hey? Revelation 19 and verse 2. And it says, For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants. So <clears throat> he's going to destroy those who destroy the earth. Um, God never does anything without a purpose. He has a purpose in everything. And so people have had the opportunity and they refuse to come to him. So it's a bit like um, that story I told you about in America where the governor had the problem of stealing. And you imagine if the mother kept on stealing after the son took the 40 lashes, what would the son have to do and uh, how hard it would be? But he would have to give his mum the 40 lashes if she kept on stealing. So... Mercy, that that man, the governor, showed mercy to his mother. But if her heart wasn't broken or touched by her son's kindness, um, <clears throat> what else could he do um, to uphold the law? He'd have to enforce it, wouldn't he? Um, so the Bible <coughs> says that... Um, in Revelation um, 11, 11 and verse 18, there is a summary of the rest of the book. Right, like I said, the nations are angry, your wrath has come. The nations are angry represents chapter 13 and 14. You, um, your wrath has come, 15 and 16. Time for judging the dead, which is Revelation 20, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, 21 and 22. Now, the last verse is an interesting verse too, and uh, I don't know how much time we have left. Um, so this verse here, it says, Then God's temple was open in heaven, and within that temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumbling, pearls of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstone. Now, when we go over to Revelation 16, verse 18, this is what it says. It is done. That's 17. Then came flashes of lightning, rumbling, rumblings, pearls of thunder, and a severe earthquake. So... <clears throat> This is talking. This is talking about um, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Um, so this is talking about the end of probation, the end of probation for this world. And um, when <clears throat> you can look into the um, the most holy place, that's the picture here. The God's temple in heaven was open. Normally it was only open for one person. That was the high priest, and he entered once a year. But Jesus, because of what he did at Calvary, he entered in 
um, to the most holy place, and he intercedes for us. But his work is going to come to an end, and it will be too late. So it's a solemn thing, my friend, um, that um, what God has done, he's done his best to save every person. But the choice is ours. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Um, John 6.37 John 1.12 says um, To all who receive him He gives the right To become the sons and daughters of God Revelation 3.20 Behold I stand at the door and knock And um, open the door and I will come in So the the choice is ours And um, we have to choose God's given us the power of choice But if we make the choice, God gives us the power to do what we choose. So God bless you, and um, I pray that you'll have a good week until we meet again. God bless. Thank you, Dennis, for sharing from the book of Revelation again. And so just before we say goodbye for this time, just wanted to give you the details of how you can get in touch with us. Remember that... Um, Here we have actually probably at least a couple of um, giveaways if you're interested. The book that I've been reading, The Health Tip from Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton, a very good um, little book. And also uh, we can um, have free um, copies of Steps to Christ, really powerful book. And in the local takeaways here too, in Palmerston North, check out the little Signs Rack. Signs is a magazine that has articles on health and the family and issues that we face in life every day. So you can um, get the giveaways by contacting us by email on info at mpr.nz, info at mpr.nz or you can text on 022-6815-216 and we would love to hear your feedback um yeah, to encourage us, we want to encourage you, but you could encourage us as well. And also, we're happy if you would like a prayer request for a friend or a family member to pray with you off ear or on ear, as you would like. So, let's have a closing prayer. <coughs> Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for this world. You have a purpose for it. Um, and Lord, we we just thank you for your amazing plan, Lord, your amazing grace towards us, Lord. How man went astray in the beginning, chose to rebel, and how we've all been affected. It says the wages of sin is death, and we're all affected, we all die. But Jesus came to repair the world, to make a new world. And um, you want everyone <coughs> that chooses uh, to be part of, 
of your plan um, to have eternal life and live with you forever. So yeah, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We thank you that you're still working on the hearts of men and women. You're drawing them. And uh, Lord, we just thank you that uh, you are the God that you are. And bless each person that's um, listening, Lord, and uh, may you be close to them. Help them to know that you love them supremely, more than they could ever imagine. So uh, we leave ourselves in your care, thanking you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So from both of us here at Amazing Grace, we uh, pray that you've been encouraged. May the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God bless. Until next time. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.